Hello, my friends, and welcome once more to the Ultimate Motorcycling Weekly Podcast, Motos and Friends. My name is Arthur Coldwells. This podcast is brought to you by the new Shoeberth E2. The Shoeberth E2 is endless adventure. This week we have uh, something slightly different. Among the questions we get from you, our listeners, is whether rider schools are actually worth the money and effort. And do we have one we can recommend? Well, the answer to both questions is a resounding yes. So, in response to popular demand, we decided this week to chat with Associate Editor TJ Adams about her recent experience at the Yamaha Champions Riding School. We tried hard not to sound too fanboy on this one, but truth is, no matter who you are or how long you've been riding, you could benefit from some training. And frankly, the best one out there, and the one we're prepared to endorse, is the YCRS. We're even prepared to incentivize a few of you. Please check the show notes at the foot of this page and see how we could add an extra cashback reward if you're booking a class. And this is in addition to the 10% discount you will get if you use our sign-up code. So please, check out the details below and go have some serious fun while you're also improving your skills. You will be a safer, more complete rider if you do. (laughs) This week is a bit of a TJ fest because in our second segment, she chats with Nathan Fitzgerald and Brandon Cretu, the co-founders of KYT Helmets America. Brandon is also the exclusive importer of Ovali motorcycles in the United States, and he was instrumental in developing the Moto America Mini Cup. He's passionate about trying to help young people get into racing. Brandon's personal racing resume includes multiple appearances at the Isle of Man TT, the Macau GP, the Northwest 200, the Ulster GP, as well as endurance racing at the 24 Hours of Le Mans and the legendary Suzuka 8 Hours. Presumably Brandon knows what it takes to fire up a racing career. As you might imagine, both Nathan and Brandon are hardcore racing fans, and they were happy to chat with TJ about the ups and downs of American and global racing and where they see it going. She did her best to keep them under control. Hold on to your KYT helmets. The idea was to get some professional help. And uh, having looked around, um, the Yamaha Champions Riding School seems to me to be the one place that guarantees that you have professional people teaching you. You have guys and ladies, um, the instructors who will always be top notch. And that for me was very important. I've had lots of advice from friends and family and all well-intentioned. Me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all well-intentioned, but none of us are professionals. That's the problem. You're not. And, you know, I apply bits and pieces from different people, but I don't know for sure if I'm really doing the right thing. Um, So, uh, you know, we were speaking with Freddie Spencer when we had another subject to talk to him about, and he explained the the key differences of this riding school. So for me, um, the fact that he was saying it will really make a difference to my riding, seal the deal, <laughs> as it right. would. Fred, Freddie Spencer is, is, for people who don't know, he is a, a three times world MotoGP, back in those days, 500cc. So he is a three time world champion at riding and arguably one of the greatest riders of all time. 
the thing that sort of separates Freddie is that he was able to analyze why he was able to ride as fast as he did. He didn't rely just on natural talent. He is naturally talented up the wazoo, of course, but, but he didn't rely on that. He was able to analyze, even as a kid, what made him able to do what he could do, and he practiced that, practiced it relentlessly. As soon as I got on a bike, like my 100 and things, I always, I always use the front brakes. The reason why, you know, the very, very simple reason why as a kid I did it, is it felt solid. I'd get into a corner, and it would help me turn. Right. I mean, I could go in and back it in. You got to realize that, that this was on a TT circuit, right? Okay? TT track, like Lake Lamont. So it had one right-hand corner, and it was a kind of a downhill right-hand corner. So the thing is, is that you know most everybody just go back it in, and then the bikes slide, and you drift, and you turn. Well, I found I could go in kind of straight up and down, and then just stay on the brakes. It would load the front end, just pivot. That's interesting. I always would break stuff down to very, very simple, you know, sure. like in that case. Sure. Just because everybody else backed it in, done, you know. But that is really is the core of your riding right there. Is, I mean, right is. there. It I is mean, more so. It's it a hell is. of a thing for a four-year-old yeah, to figure but, out. <laughs> well, I wasn't four years old when I did that. But I'm just okay. saying, I, I understood it, what my early, I mean, at four years old or five years old, you know, and just I'm on a mini trail 50 and I'm riding along. And, and I used to because I was kind of tall. It's one of the reasons why I could grow up and ride bigger bikes, you know, pretty early, because I was kind of tall at that, at that age. But I would slide the bike in standing up, kind of like a speedway bike. So really, I, I was a rear guy, and that's, that's why once I got to Grand Prix, I could do either. I could right. push the front, because I started that very early, and I could back the bike in and rotate it, pivot like Mark does. Right. You know, Mark, Mark's greatest skill, this is his greatest asset, on corner entry specifically, is is his ability to put the bike on its side above, way above the grip level, and then time that to where it's gonna slow and load and grip and match, everything's gonna match up. Hmm. Interesting. It's exactly what I would do. Is it, the, does, is it on purpose or is it oh, a yeah. feel thing that he has? No, well, yeah. it's, a, it's a feel thing yeah. that you do on purpose. Right. Do you ever have to remind yourself to like use your core no, and keep I a, think light, about keep it a light weight on your, light weight on your e hands? Even though I could do it in my, most of the time in my sleep, I'm sure, I don't know, <laughs> right. years. But I, I still remind myself every single time. Right. Because, and this is for all you average riders out there, if you want to be able to do something in under pressure, in a moment where you don't have to really think about it, you have to develop the skills to do it and repeat it and be consistent with it so you innately know how to do it. Having retired from motorcycle competition, he was able to translate that into a riding school. And in fact, I actually did the, as it was called then, the Freddie Spencer uh, riding school back in, I think it was about 2004. So close to 20 years ago. Ultimately, the, uh, the school uh, sort of morphed into the Yamaha Champions Riding School under the auspices of Nick Einage and several of his now partners, uh, guys like Chris Paris and so on. But they basically stayed with the core Freddie Spencer curriculum and the Freddie Spencer ideas. And, and obviously, they've evolved those and, and built on those. Use this school and to have, have these people involved in the school to be at a top level, it's a really good feeling. Yeah. It, it, it to me, is a, um, 
it's it's almost the, the it's almost a game in itself. How good can we make this? How far can we take a student in two days? Really, right. I mean, that's really the challenge. Right. So if you came back, uh, if you were here two years ago and then you came now, you'd see a, a, what you would think is an entirely different program because we keep really? learning. Because I hire these these really intelligent, top-level writers right. and staff, everybody's input is good. Yeah. As opposed to, you know how it is when you're in a group sometimes, and sure. some people in the group are just going in the wrong direction. Right. Right. No one hears a safety crack, no one hears a bean counter, no one hears one of those people getting in the way. Everybody's here like, hey, how can we make the school better? Yeah. And so we could have a brand new instructor walk up and go, hey, you know what, guys? I saw this. If we change that, that might be better. We would consider that as opposed right. to like, no, you're, we're doing yeah. it this way. What's funny, Arthur, is we'll, we'll do like, remember at Freddy's we did the long, slow roll-off drill? Do you yeah, that? yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody mentioned that drill to me like a year ago, and I was like, oh shit, that's a great drill, right? <laughs> but because right. you only have eight hours, <laughs> right. you, that drill gets moved out for a new drill. Right. But I was like, oh my god, that was a great drill. So right. we have a bunch of things in our pocket. If you if you yeah. come to our grad school, which would be wonderful, right. to do a score in our grad school, you come to our grad school, you would see some of the drills that, that you will never see today or tomorrow because we don't have time. So we will do a passing drill, we'll do a false neutral drill, we'll do some things that are totally... So, we almost invented the grad school so that we could play with more drills. I just want to add that it's not because I want to be a racer. It's that I constantly want to improve my skills and I want people to understand really that I'm like most people out there. I just want to be able to ride more safely. And what I hadn't got a grasp of that came across um, with the passion of these people at um, YCRS is that you do need an understanding of how the motorcycle works. I, mean, I don't want to frighten people and think you, you have a technical online mechanical instruction going on here, um, but when you, you start um, getting involved with YCRS, you feel through their passion that they're actually teaching you uh, the basics. All you need to do is have the desire to learn, and if you've got that, they will find a way to get it across to you. When I um, booked the Champu two-day riding um, instruction course, the Champu core curriculum comes with that. And you can buy the Champu core curriculum on its own. This is an online course. And you can take as much time as you like doing that online course. So it, the word school always frightens everybody. It certainly frightens me. And I'm thinking, ay, 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 you know, school. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I mean, an online course, is that really, I mean, what's that about? How does that work? So this teaches you um, in a really lively and exciting way. You can go through it at your own pace. There are about 40 videos, and I don't want that to put people off either. But they're very exciting, and they're very um, humorous, and really give you the outline of how a motorcycle works and how your input is what's key to making you ride better. Right. So in other words, it's they're, they're short video clips demonstrating the the core curriculum of of the, the principles developed by Freddie and evolved by Nick and his staff. Exactly. So they're video clips with short Q&A multiple choice afterwards. And what little I saw of it, it's humorous, it's fast paced, it's fun. This is not a it school. It is. Yeah, don't it's, be put off by that. It's word, a so. learning method. And it, it was a great way to at least get those core ideas into your head before you actually reach the school and started doing that on track. So it kind of gave you a bit of a head start. Yeah, it gives you a head start and it gives you insight into things that you wouldn't even think you didn't know before. It's, it's the mindset, it gets you really 
into the right frame of mind for riding and uh, understanding why you're doing things that you're doing and why you need to do them a little bit differently. Okay. So again, before the school, the next thing that you had to consider was equipment. I mean, you're going to be riding on track. That's not that simple. Yeah, this is the first time on track for me. So I had to make sure that I got the right sort of safety gear. Um, for me, uh, well, and for anybody, that's that pointed towards all-in-one suit. doesn't have to be, but that's the safest thing to be wearing. And you can hire suits from the school, but I chose to have my own. I hadn't been on track before and I really wanted to continue. Um, so I went to Mythos, who are a company I'd, I'd heard of, uh, who are a Swiss-based company and they do custom-made handmade so they're made suits. to measure, handmade, hand-tailored. That's right. Was it something like 42 measurements or something? Yes, exactly, which is astounding. They measured all sorts of things I didn't even consider. Trapezium muscles, a little one on, on that goes from your neck to your shoulder, things like that that make a difference to if the suit's going to be comfortable around your neck. And um, Steve, who measured me, was explaining all of this as he went along. Okay. Uh, people have different sized calves, and some people want their suits to go right down to the bottom of their ankles, and some people want them partway up their calves because they're going to zip their boots on the outside. All sorts of different options, which uh, right. uh, was was really informative and a great experience. And the Mythos suit also comes with the Alpine Stars Tech 10 airbag system. That's right. They they just can make the suit, yeah, have the Tech 10 airbag fitted. So you don't have to have that, but of course, that's the safest way to be. Right. Um, and it doesn't feel any different once I got the suit. I was astounded. It was so comfortable. I didn't feel as though I'd got the airbag vest fitted. It's all part of the, the snug fitting. The whole thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's still flexible. You can still move around. It's... Uh, some it's an investment but it's something that you're going to have you know for a long time and sure. it's going to save your life and then i wore um an arai helmet that's my helmet brand of choice definitely you know for the the make the quality the process the technology yeah research and development that i've read they've they've gone through and they still constantly go through yeah and comfort and quiet snug fitting um I they make the, lots of different models. I think you wore the Corsair X uh, with the Nakagami paint job yeah, on it. Yeah, Nakagami paint cool. job. It's yeah, very really cool. cool. Loads yeah. of people commented on that. It's got a bit of bling going on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But most of all, comfortable. No worry there about anything putting you off. You know, you don't want right. anything fiddly that's going to put you off when you. For me, I was tentative about going sure. on track, and so I wanted to be completely comfortable and feel that I'd got the safest sure. gear on possible. And. You don't want to be distracted. You want to be able to focus on the lessons that, that you're being taught. You don't want to have to worry about your equipment or if it's uncomfortable or, or what have you. So obviously the next part of the equipment, the major part of the equipment uh, thinking is, is the motorcycle. And you were riding the Yamaha XSR 900. That's right. That's the retro styled MT-09. Yeah, it's a beautiful so, machine. Yes. Right. What attracted you to riding that bike? Well, I wanted something that again felt comfortable and we had this bike on test and I have found it extremely user-friendly. Um, changing gears is no sweat, always getting into neutral easily. It's got a quick shifter, um, all of I these things. I think it's things. so smooth, <sighs> a quick shifter, it's like incredible. Yeah, yeah. it makes such a difference. Um, the riding position is great, it's not too committed low down race style right and 
the handlebars are at just the right sort of position that you are right. comfortable. Uh, my inseam is 29 inches and I can get my feet down comfortably. Sure. So all those things went to making... And plenty of feel in the brakes and, and all that kind of stuff. Easy, yes. easy throttle connection. So lots of power if you choose it, but otherwise it's easy to... There's nothing jerky or snatchy about oh, that no. bike. It's smooth as butter, everything. And it's a good size. Um, there's nothing wrong with smaller machines, but I like the feel of having something sure. substantial. It just makes me feel safer. Sure. So, okay, so you're fully equipped with, you've got, you've got your Mythos suit, your Arai helmet, and, and your Yamaha XSR 900. So that doesn't sound like a, an infomotion. It's not meant <laughs> oh, no. to be. But... I'm kitted up to the, <laughs> up kitted, to the eyeballs. Kitted up to no the way. nines, all right. Anything Definitely else? dressed for the slides. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there anything else that you really felt you needed to do to sort of prep for the school? Anything um, else that you would recommend to people if they've never been there before? Um, I think before you do anything like this, you need to <laughs> make sure you're as fit as possible. Um, and I don't mean go out and do some something mega, but just make sure you know you're not turning up with a hangover. <laughs> just right. well, there is get that. fit, do some exercises, do some stretches over stretching. over a few weeks beforehand to make sure um, you're able to move around and get the most out of what you're about to do. It's a physical activity. Right. And while you're there, keep hydrated. YCRS had plenty of um, water available. I mean, it's it's fully catered the whole two day course. Right. And you can easily pick up um, snacks, healthy snacks. They had fruit there. Right. I mean, there's a full breakfast when you first arrive. There's a full continental breakfast you can tuck in. Right. So it's all about keeping yourself hydrated and fueled up. But beforehand, right. yeah, definitely get fit. I mean, I had mental stress for want of a better word I'm not really a worrier but I was sure I was tentative and a bit anxious I hadn't been on a track and I thought I wouldn't be able to see the bends coming the curves coming towards me I had no idea right it sounds like you've got pretty you prepped pretty well <laughs> okay so once you the, the actual Yamaha Champions Riding School itself it's available all over the country yes just for people listening so whereabouts did you choose to do it at uh, the Las Vegas Speedway track Okay, um, it was the outside track, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What did you think of that track? Was that well, sort of pretty ideal? It's the only track I've been on, but yeah, it seemed <laughs> ideal to me. <laughs> the main thing about the track is all of the traffic is going one way. Um, right. I mean, th I didn't track immediately. When we first arrived, we met, we had breakfast, we talked to other people as they were turning up. You sort of get there. Some people had their own motorcycles, so they're unloading their motorcycles and you can say hello there are plenty of people around who've got the Yamaha Champion Riding School shirts on so you can go and ask them you know right where the toilets are on where breakfast is and what you're supposed to be doing so you don't need to get into your riding it gear seemed straight like away. there was almost a one-on-one -on -one personnel I mean it all, there were almost as many YCRS personnel there as yeah. there were pupils. it did seem that way you could turn around and speak it's to like somebody there was always somebody available to chat. Yes. You know, and, and get their thoughts. Yeah, and um, you came along. So, you know, you can take guests along. The guests are not catered for. You're there as a guest, but you right. can take photographs. You can ask questions and everything as well. I mean, the idea is that the whole motorcycle community is, is encouraging people to improve their riding. And these people are all interested in motorcycles. So if you go along with your mum or your brother or a partner, everybody's welcome. My impression as weird as it sounds is it was relaxed but intense 
In other words, the sort of the learning curve is intense. The lessons they're giving you are very precise, very concise. They show you exactly what it is. So there's a lot of intensity and concentration, and yet they do it in a relaxed way. Everyone's laughing and they're joking and they're constantly cracking things. I, I kind of really like that. Yeah, nobody is highbrow. It's definitely... No, so approachable. A very um, friendly and encouraging environment. Yeah. yeah. And Nick Einach, who really kind of started, you know, started the ball rolling with Freddie. He's very good at getting the best out of his instructors. He's very funny. He's very funny. <laughs> he's very relaxed. And, and he'll sort of throw out hook lines to them and they'll give him exactly the right answer back. I mean, these guys yeah. have got it nailed. It's really yeah, impressive. Yeah, he's verbose. He's got... He's got He'll be like, hey, Isaiah, so what, did you, what do you think? And Isaiah will give him precisely the right answer. And it's, it's really impressive. So it's kind of... These guys have been doing it a long time and they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Okay, so you got to the school and, and having sort of uh, kind of got to know everybody on a little bit of a casual basis, it was an early start, wasn't it? I think, wasn't yeah, it? you arrive around, well, you arrive at 7.30 or before if you like. The actual lessons start at 8 and you must not be late, that's key. Right. Because otherwise you hold everybody up. Right. And on standard of riding, you have to be able to operate a motorcycle really. Ideally, I mean, I'm sure these guys will work with you whatever your situation but you need to be able to you know change gears and ride around the parking lot at least and then right. they'll get you going sure so you you arrive in just just um normal dig clothing okay. <laughs> can't remember what i was wearing you don't have to get there in your leathers is what i'm saying okay. you turn up and you you're introduced and you help yourself to some breakfast and snacks and meet people and uh i had a chat with a few other people there one guy was actually coming back for a, a second time because he had loved the first course so much and uh, he was expressing to me how good for value it is money-wise because he tried different courses and I heard that from a couple of different people that I talked to as well. And until you do them, you don't realise. Like, he'd gone on a course that was a week long and, yeah, he'd learnt a lot and it was great, but, you know, it took a week of his time. That's time off work and it had cost just as much and he said this two-day course is definitely well worth uh, the price and to give people an idea this course that I went on uh, it runs between 2,200 and 3,700 depending on what you do you can hire gear and motorcycles sure hire and depending on which track it's at and there's a whole bunch of variables so yeah you have to really look into but it um, is a significant investment I mean we're not talking a couple of hundred bucks to do this school I mean this is a couple of thousand uh, yeah. and you know, you always wonder if that's going to put people off because... Nobody's got a couple of grand lying around, but, no. you know, you have to compare it to what it's going to mean overall for your whole motorcycling career, for want of a better word. It is a massive improvement to, to things. I went through the... They sent me the link to the curriculum first, and it was very structured, very logical. Right. And then I see the same thing, like, repeated and reinforced over here. Right. And then the drills are repeating and reinforcing. Yeah. So it kind of comes back to... I mean, the biggest thing I've learned is... The bike knows what it needs to do. Just let it be. Like, don't like force it. Right. You're the biggest source of error. That play out and like experiencing yes. that has been very good for me. So do you do you feel like it's helped your riding? I mean, have you improved? I mean, today's my first day, but like already I just went out back to the road and came. Right. But I felt there was a significant difference. Really? Okay, that's great. Right. I was I was very afraid to lean, for instance, and now I'm like really comfortable doing that. Okay. Oh, good. So, um, Mark actually had me hop onto his bike and he showed me how it is. 
right? Uh, as a passenger. That must be terrifying. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I'm not a good passenger. <laughs> yeah, I'd pay money not to do that. <laughs> something about that experience. I was like, oh, wow, like you can actually lean it so much. I didn't feel that. Right. 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 Once you realize what it's capable of, you're yeah. like, oh, actually, maybe yeah. I could go a bit, yeah, a bit yeah. further. I, I watched the first sort of lesson. Um, I stood in, in the group and basically Chris Paris and a couple of the other guys and Nick took everybody through this. Um, Chris pulled out a tire, like just a, a, a round Dunlop tire without a wheel in it. And they demonstrated right from the off, went straight into it. Yes, yeah, so straight away I had a different um, viewpoint on looking at just sitting on the motorcycle and being the, the dummy on there because I started to learn how inputs make a big difference. The motorcycle is designed to be ridden in a certain way and that, that's what I think most people are missing. So you start by understanding, I mean, tyres are very important and to me they were just, you know, sort of... They are the most important. <laughs> part of the whole thing, but they are very important. But it struck me how Chris Perris was able to demonstrate really simply so easily Yeah, in a few how... moments, the, the grip and the difference you make to the grip with your braking. Right. In other words, a motorcycle tyre will carry an enormous load but it will not tolerate an abrupt load. Mm. So the first thing they teach you really before anything is be smooth. Be smooth and be precise in your inputs. Um, and it was really very interesting how, um, how they were able to demonstrate that. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. They're able to actually articulate how to do things. That's what I was trying to say earlier. They know how to teach they know how to tell you how to put the, the lesson across whereas all your buddies might have great intentions but they're, they're only able to tell you what they do and learning something a right. lot more down down the food chain more at a more basic level how a, a tire works how the motorcycle works suddenly makes more sense it makes sense why you need to be um, gentle you know and to quote, you know, your hands are your delicate instruments and you're just there inputting into the machine to make it work yeah. um, at its optimum rate. Um, you're not there to grab onto the handlebars. They're not actually grips. They're called grips, but you're there just to right. use the instruments. It was very interesting how they've broken down how a motorcycle works and how the rider is able to, if they put the right kind of inputs, they can get the machine to do what it wants to do. And that makes the whole experience a whole lot better and much safer. Yeah, it's safer, you can go faster, you have more control, it's right. as simple as that. But So yeah. to go back to your original point, this is, the, this is the Yamaha Champions riding school, it is not the racing school. <laughs> And so, so they, they split you into groups to start with, didn't they? How, yeah, how we just had that... a rough hands up, you know, who's done this, who's done what? Because I guess every group that goes along is, is going to be different. They might have a load of people who want to go racing. Um, but this time there, there was a smattering of, there were a couple of guys actually who were going to go racing. Um, so we put hands up and said, you know, roughly how much riding we'd done. And we were split into groups right. and then given armbands and... Uh, that made everything very efficient. They could right. yell out, you know, my group over here, and we were given certain instructors who were taking us through 
so, you know, some of us went out to the track in a van and some of us stayed back doing classroom and that sort of thing, so they could right. optimise on the time. It meant that each group was only, what, three or four people or something? Yes, I think they quote four to one, but it seemed as though there were more instructors. Every time I turned around, somebody was there to help, and that is... It's not quite one-on-one instruction, but it feels pretty close, Seems doesn't like it, it yeah. It's, yeah. Very, it's a very personal experience. That's what right. I took from, from the overall feeling. Right. Everybody cared, and it was a very personal feeling and customer care, which I've been involved with over my life, and some of it's rubbish. Some people are just paying lip service to it, but there really is genuine care here. These uh, instructors are passionate about making motorcycling safer for people. That's the that's the interesting thing. They're not there to make you faster. That will come anyway. No, they're giving you more control. They're talking about giving you more control and giving you and making you safer. And the speed just comes naturally because you're because you've got more confidence and because you're better at doing it, you're able to go faster. Um, that's what I found after I did the school. I really found that the next time I was on the street, I wasn't actually riding any faster per se. But I was still going the same speed, carrying the same pace that I did with my buddies. But instead of sort of white knuckling my way through corners and what have you, I was, it was just a whole lot easier. And instead of riding at nine or 10 tenths at the pace I was doing, I was suddenly I was only having to ride at seven or eight tenths. Everything was just that much easier. Yeah, you don't realize that at the time. I can't sort of take everybody through all the lessons I learned because you need to do that on over the period of the couple of days. Um, but you are, in a place where you can try things safely. I mean, on the track, you're going round and round the same route repetitively, and as right. many times as you like. There's lots of track time, uh, and you can try things in a safe way. Are you getting anything out of this? How I'm you getting a lot of it out of it. Uh, basically, there's a lot more grip than I realized there is. Uh, also, the braking is a huge thing. I didn't know that you could break that late into the corner, and you carry speed while applying the brakes, that, that's new to me. And just the general leaning, how right. much that helps to turn the bike. Okay. I will, I've always been in the middle of the seat as right. I'm turning in, because I, I come from, a, I guess, a comfort type bike. Sure. So uh, all of those things are like life-changing. And also riding with the instructors and realizing how much uh, the suspension plays a role into braking, into turning, into stopping the bike, so all of so those It sounds like your confidence has really gone up a lot. A lot, yes. Okay. A big game changer for me was moving on the bike. A lot of people probably do that already, but I sort of had my- Body positioning. My rear stuck to the seat, and uh, I learned bit by bit, because they give you exact instructions, because they can look and see what you're doing, each person, how to, how to get yourself confident enough to move, and that happened straight away, you know, I followed Nick Einach around actually it was hysterical he's like giving me the old giddy up come on faster faster and I'm like a little snail behind him and uh you know we go around and then he says right I want you to do this you turn your feet out you make a window of light and literally inch by inch instructions not yeah. just oh get off the bike lean off the seat you know something bland it was very precise and straight away I was like oh wow you know I can move I can get off the bike and it stays in position it doesn't go scooting off the road you guys getting a bit of a handle on how she's doing and, and um, where her level's at? Yes. She's, uh, it, it's all new to her. New bike, sure. new tires, new track, everything. New, everything's new. new and new, new. Uh, she's working on her body pretty well. She felt the difference as she moved more. Okay. And the number one thing right now is TJ gets her eyes into the corner sooner. So we're working on that. You have to try that and not 
being on your way to the gas station or you know to work and think oh I'll just try if I can move around on the bike a bit because you've got traffic and everything when you're on the roads you need to learn these things in a safe environment. So how are you feeling? So what's, what's feeling good. good lots is happening I'm really focusing on body positioning on several points of body positioning like getting my ass off the bike and getting my uh, weight on the axis on the foot peg, sticking my knee out, getting my weight on the axis. My outside knee has to lean on the tank and I have to use a bit of um, steering, counter steering. So all in all it's going well, although I'm very tense, I need to be smoother. Okay, do you feel like you're carrying a bit more entrance speed and, and sort of going a little faster? I think I am overall. I wouldn't say particularly entrance speed, I think overall I'm building up to it, but that's given me confidence to go a bit faster and so I think I will be able to apply that particularly to entrance speed. Okay, good. What's, what's it like your, like your first try on the track? Are you starting Being to get used to Being more pleasant than I thought, yes. Oh, because okay. I, my preconceptions were that I wouldn't be able to even see my way around. It's all going to be a flat landscape but it's like driving on a big wide road basically and it's a safe feeling because everything's going in the same direction all the traffic's good. And I think that's what helped with the the feeling of a sort of a one-on-one -on -one instruction is the fact that all the instructors are saying exactly the same thing. So even though you're not necessarily talking to the same guy, you're still getting exactly the same message. They're so precise and so concise about how they, they uh, put out the message that it feels like everybody's, everybody's singing the same song and, and that's really very encouraging. It is, the consistency was perfect um, because yeah, it's a bit of a disaster if you turn around and ask one person something and then the next person says something right. different. And, and I heard that from some of the other pupils. They said that some of the other schools they've been to, they'll ask one instructor one thing and they'll mm. get an answer and then ask somebody else something else and they'll get a slightly different answer. Because all, all of quite right. the people instructing at YCRS are, are qualified. They are all actual instructors. They're not Joe Blow, as I said. Yeah. I, I wrote a little story about this, which is on the website, but they're not... They don't sort of call up any old person because suddenly they've got a full school and they need people. They have these guys in place and girls, but you know, yeah, that really know the curriculum and they've yeah. gone through a pretty intense training in order to become an instructor. Yeah. So yeah. not only can they ride, they can instruct and they do. Yeah. I loved it. I had a blast. So. Would you come back? Do you think there are benefits to coming back? Absolutely. Absolutely. These guys are they're the best in the world. Yeah, the instructors are the instructors are... and they're down to earth folks and you know it's gold uh, standard. Yep. They just all take it personally, you know, they make a big effort to get across, you know. Uh, I learned mental approach. We were talking about um, sure. the tyre, so that was the first big thing, the, the 100 points of grip, as they call it. So right. they were, they, that taught me the weight transfer that happens when you brake. And this is, might be obvious to some people listening, but I didn't really know. I'd brake coming up to a curve in my tentative way, etc. I learned that you really need to break not abruptly. That is a word that is not on the agenda. You know, right. you apply the brakes really gently, just using 5% actually of your braking power. And then you can squeeze harder and brake more firmly. Add, yeah. So when you add more load to the tire, you're safer because you, you are gripped to the road more. So that was a big learning curve for me and gave me a lot more confidence. So it wasn't so much going faster that made the huge difference. I found at the time, it was being able to brake properly. 
made yeah. a big difference. I mean, there were lots of other things I learned, but they came to after I was out back riding on the road. I suddenly found all these things I'd learned. We've done quite a lot of mileage since you went to the school, and I have to say, your speed and confidence on the street has dramatically improved. And I really think the game changer for you was this braking. The braking that they taught you to do and the way they took you through it and kept repeating it, it's given you so much more confidence and so much more control. And there's a whole bunch of other things, like you say, but really, if I could focus on the one core thing that I've really noticed, noticed with you, yeah, yeah is, your, is your braking. You're so much more confident now because you're aware of the fact that you're able to stop and you're able to judge your braking distances a lot more. So you can judge your entrance speed into corners more, you feel safer. It, it, I mean, it's such a cliche to say, oh, you know, go to a riding school, it'll make you safer. These guys have anecdotes that have come back to them from previous, you know, previous pupils. They have actually saved lives. This course has saved lives. Mm. And without getting too controversial in here, there are schools out there that are not teaching these techniques, that are teaching other things that are actively dangerous. There, there are other schools out there that are not teaching the right thing, and it's concerning. And as an experienced motorcycle guy, I hear this. YCRS teaches you that lessons here are, will, will make people safer. Yeah, I was talking to another guy there, another um, pupil, um, not the one I mentioned before, but somebody else who'd done another course. And I think the general consensus from him and other people in that group was that the school was sort of teaching them things they felt were safe to teach, as opposed to teaching them the basics of the motorcycle and how it works and actually riding. They were teaching things that sort of wouldn't come back to bite them as instructors and as a school, it wouldn't get them into trouble. They were teaching them kind of a safe thing. Yeah, get everything over and done with while you're upright and, and then yes. you know, turn into a corner. And yeah. that's, that is such a, a sort of... Um, it's a fable. Because it's, a, it's, it's a cop-out. Yeah. It is. It's a, it's a cop-out. You, you, you have to be able to teach people how to be able to turn the motorcycle while you're trail braking into the corner. You have to teach people how to brake safely and add lots of load to the tyre without being abrupt and people will be safer. Mm. So when something horrendous happens on the street in front of you and you find yourself in a panic braking situation, you have to be able to react in the right way. You're and as not prepared just, as possible as well because of the way you've been riding. You're not just gonna just lock up the front wheel and just crash. You're actually gonna be able to brake and steer around a, around a problem. And the, the, the YCRS curriculum really does teach that. It is noticeable. So I guess you really have felt that, that, your, that your riding and your attitude have really changed. Do you have the anxiety that you had Definitely, before? no, I don't. I used to get very anxious, kind of feeling sick the night before. It sounds, <laughs> before a ride. <laughs> sounds ridiculous, especially if we were going out in a big group and, you know, I was more aware of other people's safety. It's not just one's self. <laughs> you know, you have, to, you have to have so many things to consider. Um, so it's... it's been a game changer it's made me feel really more relaxed it's made me feel more in control and I think I am riding faster although that wasn't my aim my aim was just no. to um, be safer 
even though I've been riding for years. But there are, you know, all people can improve their riding all of the time. They can. And, and I re let's really reiterate to people, this is not about racing. I think there's so many people like, well, I don't need to learn that. I know how to ride a bike. I know how to operate the controls. No, this is or about... I'm, I'm not going to ride on track or I'm not going to go racing. Do I really need this? It's you about know? your whole attitude. It's about making you save. It's about saving lives. And this, that also is something that comes across with a passion from uh, having these few days with, with all of these instructors that they really do want to make a difference to the motorcycling community as a whole they want everybody to be safer in fact they've they were talking then and they now have put out a new rider online course which is just amazing just if you have anybody who is thinking of riding a motorcycle you can buy this online course 50 bucks i think it's actually on offer now at 20 bucks and we ultimate motorcycling can offer 10 percent off that we i'll put a code in the bottom of the notes and once you've got it you can go back over it it's your online course Okay, so I think we're, we're agreed that YCRS is, is about safety and, and riding better and riding properly and giving you the skills and the tools that people need to be safer on the street. And sure, those, those tools will translate if you happen to be a racer and you want to go faster, same lessons apply. But really, we're talking about safety here. And obviously here at Ultimate Motorcycling, we really want to help push that as well yes um we really i mean we're all part of the motorcycle community let's try and if we can help save one life this is worth doing so i think at ultimate motorcycling we've come up with a few incentives to help people go to ycrs such as the faith that we we now have in this curriculum and having seen the difference that it's made to you so ycrs has come up with a new rider uh, course that they've just launched i believe it is $50, but they're actually offering an intro discount down to $20. It's so anybody, if, if somebody knows somebody who is about to start riding or has just started riding, believe me, they can benefit from Give it to them as a gift. And at Ultimate Motorcycling is we are going to offer the first 20 new riders to sign up for the new rider course we will reimburse you your 20 bucks. Yeah, it's going to be free for 20 new riders. They just have to... First 20 riders listening to this. Book the course with YCRS and then send us a copy of their confirmation and we will send them We cash. will send you 20 bucks. Cashola. And we will pay for it. You can forward it to um, producer at Ultimate Motorcycling and send us your YCRS booking reference and obviously your Venmo or your PayPal, your Zelle, however it is you want us to reimburse you your 20 bucks. Yeah, we'll get First 20 riders to do that, sign up for the new school, um, we will reimburse you. So I think that's, a, that's a, a nice little thing. But on top of that, if somebody actually wants to sign up for the two-day two champ school, whichever one they, they choose to do, this two-day champ school, which as we know is fairly expensive, it's a couple of, couple of grand plus, um, we're going to help out with that as well, aren't yes, we? Yes, for three people, we will give $200 cash back. Okay. Now, Ultimate Motorcycling already gets a 10% discount with the Champ School. In the show notes, there will be um, an Ultimate Motorcycling discount code. So if we've inspired you enough to go and sign up for one of the two-day Champ Schools, wherever it is in the country, use the, uh, the sign-up code that you'll see in the show notes and you'll get a 10% discount. But in addition, the first three people that sign up for this, that come to us, 
we will reimburse you an additional $200. And again, email us at producer at with your information and your PayPal and your Zenmo and your YCRS booking number and we will send you $200. No coupons. No coupons, no, funny no BS, no nothing. We'll send you 200 bucks. Excellent. But we really hope that it inspires everybody, but at least three people to go to the Champ School and at least 20 people to sign up for the new rider course. It's, it's, I'm so enthusiastic and yet I can't get it across. I don't have the words to explain what a difference this has made to my riding. And it's, the backup is there. You know, companies like Harley Davidson and Bosch, there were people on yeah. the course from Bosch, big companies send their staff on these courses. They do. So what, what is it that Bosch finds useful about, about this particular training course? So what we do is, since we're calibrating traction control, stability control, ABS, all those things are where the bike lives at the limit of tire grip. So as engineers are out there calibrating and testing these, we need to be able to safely handle these vehicles at the limit. You know. Or past the limit, you know. Right, once it goes just over. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, we're, we're engineers. They've got, a, they, they spend a lot of, you know, time and effort training us and learning all these systems. And, you know, if we go off on the corner and die, <laughs> it's a bad investment. So it's, it's more so, um, especially when you get the system. So you always start calibrated very safe and then you okay. back it down just okay. from a safety perspective. Sure. So, you know, at first it's going to be very aggressive interventions. It's not really going to let that wheel speed have a lot of extra. You're not going to be doing wheelies or anything. And then you back it down. And the key is these skills are there for if the system A, fails when you're testing because we are working on prototype vehicles or B, um, you backed it down a little bit too much. And, okay. and it's, it's a little looser than you might have expected. So yeah. it's more so to build these reactionary skills right. to to be able to handle the bike if it does something that it right. maybe should not do. It's quite interesting because, I mean, the 100 points of grip is such a big thing here, yeah, and yeah, that's exactly what you're looking at when you talk like an IMU-based, like whether it's traction control, ABS, or what have you, you're basically doing 100 points of grip in the calibration. So yep. if you're at this lean angle, we can't let you have that much brake pressure. People who design motorcycles go to the Yamaha Champions Riding School because Yamaha, the YCRS school, teaches these engineers how a motorcycle works, which ultimately helps them design a better motorcycle. Exactly. Which is, that's impressive as hell. So uh, anyway, uh, all right, great, terrific. Uh, onwards and upwards. <laughs> Good to chat. Faster and safer. Ta-da. Schuberth Helmets, head protection technology made in Germany. The new Schuberth E2 launches this month. It's like a C5 with a new peak visor, increased ventilation with a new chin air intake, and a larger rear exhaust boiler. It's got the same features of the C5, including a revised fit with customizable inner pads for comfort, increased safety with new EPS material and anti-roll-off system, and it's pre-wired for the new SC2 communication system offering mesh by Senna. It's also got a locking mechanism to hold your chin bar open. Learn more about all the new features at shoeberth.com. The new Shoeberth E2. Endless adventure. <laughs> this week is a bit of a TJ fest because in our second segment, she chats with Nathan Fitzgerald and Brandon Cretu the co-founders of KYT Helmets America. Brandon is also the exclusive importer of Ovali motorcycles in the United States. 
and he was instrumental in developing the Moto America Mini Cup. He's passionate about trying to help young people get into racing. Brandon's personal racing resume includes multiple appearances at the Isle of Man TT, the Macau GP, the Northwest 200, the Ulster GP, as well as endurance racing at the 24 Hours of Le Mans and the legendary Suzuka 8 Hours. Presumably, Brandon knows what it takes to fire up a racing career. As you might imagine, both Nathan and Brandon are hardcore racing fans, and they were happy to chat with TJ about the ups and downs of American and global racing and where they see it going. She did her best to keep them under control. Hold on to your KYT helmets. So Talent Cup, how, let's start with that. So <laughs> why are you wearing a Talent Cup t-shirt? I wore it so you would ask about it. But you say it's defunct. How long had Talent Cup been running for? Well, I'll, I'll say a little bit on it, but Brandon definitely has probably more to say than I do. So the Talent Cup, uh, the first and only year was last year, 2022. And it was a spec series sort of development series for youth. Uh, using the Aprilia RS250 bike, which was, you know, it, we were the only ones using it in the U.S. for a spec series. There is an Italian series with it. And um, it was amazing racing. It was incredible racing. These kids put everything on the line. I mean, everywhere we went, we had a few rounds with alongside Moto America. We had our first round with MotoGP at Circuit of the Americas. Yes, and I, then, was, I saw it there. And that's why I was, I mean, I'm fairly new to America. I've only been here four years. So that's the only MotoGP I've been to here, the one at the Cota at Circuit of the Americas at, in Austin. And I saw the talent cup there. So I just thought it was an ongoing race. It was fantastic. Yeah. And, and that, so that was the first round. And it was like the big show right away for these kids. And they performed amazingly and I mean throughout the year they just there's so much grit with these kids and these families and everybody that saw it loved it the racing was close uh the the championship came down into one point in the final round so I mean it was it was incredible there were obviously some politics involved with the talent cup and some some sort of forces working against it I'd say sadly because you know you look at road racing in the u.s and without a development series without something to to build these for these kids to build racecraft to learn certain like gp style bikes and tracks and, and we just needed a platform for these kids to develop and move whether that be into moto america or branch off and go overseas if we don't have that then in my opinion the the road racing you know industry and and the series are they're just going to age out it's just it's just not going to continue to develop oh so we need somebody to restart it well yeah sure he i nominate you if <laughs> it's it's i mean you're going to be put through a meat grinder ask brandon <laughs> <laughs> brandon what what was the biggest yeah what was the biggest failing then uh, honestly, the the I, I think the biggest failing is the industry itself. I think there's uh, everybody like always preaches, oh, we want to do this, we want to do that. I think that there's a, a lot of people that they they don't walk their talk, and um, you know they they don't yeah they don't say that they're more 
it's more of a, more of selfish reasons to want to do things as opposed to like, hey, I just want to do something like nice for the industry or nice for someone individually or whatever. And I, I've found that to be unfortunately true firsthand of a lot of people, quote unquote, that are important in the industry that, you know, unless someone's scratching their back, they want nothing to do with it. I'm really quite surprised because in my experience with people I've met here involved in the industry, everybody's really pro the growth of the whole motorcycle world. I, yeah, you'd... Um, uh, racing think, is the heart of it. We don't all race, but, you know. I always thought that too. <laughs> Look at what Rossi's done for Italy. Yeah, I mean, he's a perfect example of someone who's, I think, actually doing something because he's, like, actually, like, he's just loves it and he wants to do stuff. And there's honestly very little of that in the U.S. Like, I, I do say it overseas. Like, you have someone like Rossi, like, we need more people like that who have literally made fortunes. And maybe not, maybe no one in the U.S. has made a fortune like Rossi's made. But yeah, people, there's definitely people here who have made very healthy livings from racing, but then they finish and they retire and they, they do nothing to give back to it, which is fine. Like you got, everybody earns their money and once it needs to spend their money the way they want to spend it. So I'm not going to sit here and like shame people for like, you know, oh, you didn't start like a camp for people to ride or you don't sponsor this person or that person. Like, you know, I'm not one to sit here and say that, but you know, they have to also look at it a little bit and understand how the sport is and that they wouldn't have gotten where they are if people didn't help them you know so i feel like it's almost like everybody has almost like a certain obligation to like give back to it or else it's not it's you know i don't know that's the way i look at it it's got to be it's got to have some form of like uh selflessness involved in it in the sport and people that reach the top in order for it to like keep going Yes, I think you're right. I mean, most people, there's probably a lot of lost talent that just doesn't get yeah. onto this, this, the world stage on behalf of America because um, most of the, the races that I've spoken to seem to come up through full commitment from their parents, remortgaging mm -hmm. their houses and leaving their homes and traipsing around everywhere with their kids to get them where they are. Imagine the amount of kids that could come through if they've got opportunities like talent, cut, not that specifically, but coming up to that. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think in, in theory and in spirit, a lot of people are, they see that you need that fresh talent coming up. Now it's not easy to do. And there are very few people who are willing to put in the work and make the sacrifice, whether it be financially or time to actually help develop those series. And, and Brandon really with the start of, uh, you know, importing Ovalis, and the the mini cup back in 2000 what was that 19 or something that first started as a 2018 you know, we started 18. in 2018 yeah and so, so this it's, is the moto america mini cup so tell us well, a little bit about that you you started that brandon so like nathan said like we started importing volleys in 2018 and then that's how nathan and i first became friends and first started working together was you know he started selling the volleys up in the northwest and then I started, um, I was like thinking of like brainstorming a way to like, you know, start like a nat, like just get these more like accepted mainstream in the US like road racing community because everybody historically has always just been like, oh, I want something, some cheap dirt bike to go put some street tires on and just go race on a cart track and nobody cares about that. And 
the industry is never going to like grow if we're all stuck in this old mindset and those old ways and the ways of that people do things. And it's really hard to get Americans to, to look outside of America and be like, Oh, this is how they do it everywhere else. Like we should, you know, maybe this is the, maybe this is a good formula. Yes. That, that, that is a bit of an American thing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind me so, saying. Hey, hey, we, hey. I'm there's a big world out there. I know America yeah, yeah. is huge. They're yeah. self-sufficient in lots of ways, but there's more. There is. And, you know, as far as the race, as far as racing goes and like talent and all that, like there is absolutely like a lost connection there of like Americans are just like, oh, we're going to do it this way. This is the way we do it. And then they go overseas and get, you know, their ass handed to them and everybody wonders why. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, here, okay, we're bringing this as like just one of many tools that people use to like not only train and become better riders, but also like to standardize racing. And I, I, that's why I always like, that's why I became really involved in and passionate about it. Cause I was like, this is, this makes sense. Not from like a, you know, it just made sense to me. I'm like, how could this not, like, this is a standardized path to like, famous can just hop on a bike and go race. And there's all these opportunities created around it. Cause Ovali and, you know, Dorna have been really behind this project. And so I, before all that happened, I did like a one-off event with Moto America in 28, 2019 where I just said to them, Hey, I want to run an event alongside your event, like at the cart track at one of your races, just to get some awareness around this, you know, this type of a, you know, bike and like what this could be and what it could be in America. And, you know, we had, you know, Nathan got involved as a, you know, sponsor and a supporter of the, of, of the event. And then, um, Moto America saw it cause we had 26 entries. Like it was like, and I had to turn people away cause people wanted to do it. And we, you know, I did that, you know, with Nathan's help and my partner, like did it all on our own. Like no, nobody helped me. Nobody did anything. Shows the demand is there. Yeah. And the, the, it, it worked. And like what I put together with what little, you know, resources I had, um, you know, it all worked. And then Moto America realized that we were like, yeah, we want that. And I was like, okay. So I, you know, which was great. Like, that's what I wanted because I never, I didn't have the capability to run a full series you know, or the bandwidth or anything to do that. So that's, I mean, I could do a one-off event every year. I could have done that easily and it would have been successful. And I, I'm pretty confident I could do it because I, I did one event and it was successful. Like, could I do a whole thing with people like Nathan and my partner helped me out? Yeah, for sure. But to run like a whole series, that's a whole other you know, task and, um, which I found out with the talent cup. So motor America took over the mini cup and that just, I mean, no, it's no secret that it just has been not, not worked out that great. Um, like I, I was involved for a long time, but I basically felt like I got taken advantage of for a long time and I was working for free and, you know, I'm just going to be, you know, just, you know, very candid about it. Like I, you know, it just wasn't a great experience for me. Um, you know, I was just fortunate. There's a lot of great people there and there's a lot of people that just, you know, just didn't treat me very well. And, um, you know, I just, uh, it was unfortunate because I was, it was something I was really passionate about. And, um, you know, I wish that it was the other way around. Like I still want to help the kids and, you know, help the sport. I just have to find other ways to do it because I, I, um, I'm at that point where I like, I'm not going to go places where I'm not wanted. <laughs> Sadly, we've seen the mini cup participation drop. You know, people are not are not signing up and getting involved like they were. Now, there's other challenges too from a race from the actual racers' perspective, and that's that we live in a massive country geographic. Like it takes up a lot of space, right? So it's expensive. It's not like in Europe where yes. you got 10, 
tracks within four hours drive or something, you know, here you, it's, it's a, it's a big investment to have to, you know, travel across for a national series. So, yes. So it's, you know, it's just been sort of a tug of war on, you know, Brandon and then with the talent cup myself in just trying to develop something that requires, you know, a partnership with Moto America. And um, that is, I'm trying to be nice, it hasn't been good. You just need the right personalities <laughs> to to come forward and, and kind of look at the the big picture because it's all very well having a bottom line, but if you end up without the, the new blood coming in, you'll end up without the whole animal, the whole industry. Yeah. The racing industry yeah and it's not to say like i could sit here and you know like any situation like i obviously have my side of, of story and everybody has their own side of things and i'm not going to sit here and you know say that like they obviously do a lot of great things like that's why i was always like when they took over the mini cup i was like, excited about it because you know they can do more with that than i ever could have realistic like being honestly speaking and it's just a shame that it's not kind of going that way and there's a lot of influences that have attributed to that so i can't sit here and say well it's this person's fault or this person's fault and unfortunately a lot of the stuff has been blamed on me throughout the years because i'm i've been the face of it all because i'm the volley importer i started the town like the mini cup i i helped start it and i was originally involved in managing it from like a organ like a operational perspective like i was involved in that a lot and it just was like it just didn't work and i was you know basically working for free all the time and eventually i was like you know i i don't want to i don't want to do this um and mm. so but they they have the right i think they they wanted like they they are doing the right things in a lot of ways like you know as much as i hate the baggers like i freaking hate that class but it <laughs> hell it put i mean they they are they they're doing something right with it because people are you know, getting money from other you know manufacturers people are watching that wouldn't be watching people are coming to the track that wouldn't be coming so like hats off to them on that like they're doing a great job there um, I just think we're missing this like youth part that like eventually the bagger, you know, crowd in their fifties and up are going to die out like, and not, not to be morbid sounding, but you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of yeah. the way it is. You know, eventually those people aren't going to be around. Baggers die. He's saying baggers and, die. <laughs> like eventually they're not going to be around. So class. it's like, what we, I love that class. We're all going to die. Do to like help bring the youth into the sport more. And that's why Dorna started this whole thing with, you know, standardize like they they started their project the volley where it's like they're trying to standardize road racing to make it more accessible and easier to access for parents and kids. Where it's like, okay, I know exactly what to do. Like I can just buy this bike. That's good. Yes. And this, you know, this is what I need to like go to race this, this, and this. And it's not like where do I start or what do I do? It's all just very cut and dry and cookie cutter. Like you just buy this, go race this, done. You know, it's easy. Now it's a little bit more expensive than you know, what people have generally done here, but that's the part like America has more money than the rest of the world, you know, any, any market in the rest of the world. So if people can do it in Italy and they have, you know, hundreds of people on a weekend racing a volleys, then I'm like, I don't understand why they, why that doesn't work here. I think it's, it's just a weird like disconnect where I'm like, people have money here. It's just not, they, mm. they just, it's not getting yeah something something's not connecting i've never been able to figure it like out area it's been a very um and people have tried to come in and you know 
fight with me on that like um with other manufacturers bringing it like other comp competitors to a volley and i i've always told them when they start i'm like you guys is like and kudos to you like try it but you don't understand what you're getting yourself into because it's not like yeah the american market is huge but there's so many challenges to like bring something like that into it and trying and then the same with the talent cup like we wanted to start that with a sport of fim and i I've also been the face of that, you know, not working out, which is unfortunate because there were so many other factors that were involved that I just didn't get the support on the series that, you know, that was, that was needed for it to succeed. You know, we were, we were, we had roadblocks put in front of us every step of the way. And, you know, it was just, it, it was, it was like, I was set up to fail. You know? It was a death of a thousand cuts. With yeah. The <laughs> like, it was just, that's a real shame because it sounds to me as though it's it's much needed and you've done all the right things. It's just not quite had the right people behind it. Maybe we could get riders uh, as part of their contract to sponsor a, a, a new rider. We've talked about that. I mean, we've definitely floated that idea and there, and that that's the thing, the racer, like a lot of the pros right now in, especially in motor America that saw that series were really excited about it and they would take on local racers that, you know, they would help them and coach them and, I think that I, what I had brought up to Moto America, like, what if you create a mentor program within Moto America so that it's, it's actually, it's sponsored by Moto America. You get all the credit of creating this youth development mentorship. And, you know, it's like, Oh, hey, good, you know, good idea. Yeah. That's it. You know, but it's just, all we have to do is look at, you know, where are the Americans on the international grid? where you know where where how are they doing you know joe roberts he's seems to be doing a little better cam hey cam did great but there were other obviously some you know issues there for him but you know the whole internationals like moto gp it is set up on a ladder a progressive system you know you get on a gp chassis at 250 or 125 early on you know, you move up into a, a national CIV or CEV, and then you go into the, um, you know, Moto3 World Championship or or whatever it may be. You just, that's how they do it. We somehow think that we have, we can do it our own way here and then just plug them in over on in the international side and they're going to do good. And we haven't seen that work yet. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit of an eye opener for me. That's that's, I mean, it's good to get get this out there as well. Yeah. This is obviously, you know, our opinion, but <laughs> but it's I'm, right. I've been, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I've just, um, you know, there's, I've had, I've been in the in the industry, and I've been in the industry for I think long enough where I can like sit here and like have my opinion and you know not have people say well you know you don't you don't you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> like i'm not totally oblivious to everything and i've, I've been around so where have you been Kritu? yeah let's tell people a bit a little bit about yourself yeah say on the other side of things i'm you know racing and motorcycles have given me like you know just the best experience i think you could have of anyone of any life like you just people are just people don't understand how much you can just like experience and people like cool people you can meet in this world that like my you know friends from outside of this like realm just don't ever have the opportunity to to, to do or to see or to experience so you know i um i wouldn't change i wouldn't change it or trade it for the world it's just you know it's just been um the past couple years have definitely been a challenge trying to figure out how to like navigate 
from like a, a professional like work perspective, like figure out how to do it all. And there's so much politics involved and just like, yeah, it's just a, it's a, you know, but that's every job, it's every work. But races like yourself, I mean, you've um, multiple times you've raced at the Isle of Man TT, you've raced in the Macau GP North, the Northwest 200, 24 hours at Le Mans. You've got vast experience. I mean, I think races are a different breed. It's in your blood. And when you, you say, you know, people outside, you don't know the sort of world you've enjoyed. Um, I think it's something that's from within you to start with, and then you've managed to get somewhere with that. And this is what we want to do for other youngsters, I think, within the sport, is give them the chance to get somewhere. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I, I, you could ask anybody, like, there's plenty of people in, like, the mini cup paddock that, like, can't stand me because they think I'm like getting rich selling Ovalis, <laughs> which like if mm -hmm. I was like, tr like, trust me, I'd have a Ferrari out front of my house right now. And I actually, I wouldn't even live where I live if I was actually making money doing this. But you know, it's like, mm -hmm. people don't see like all the bikes that I loan out to everybody to like, you know, for kids to race and for riders to train on and all this stuff. And everybody conveniently forgets all that. But then they, they remember they're like, Oh, well, you know, oh, Brandon sold this part for more than I wanted to pay for it. So now he's, he's an asshole. <laughs> so, what a jerk. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what people are like in the main. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people like to gripe and hum human nature, unfortunately, airs on the side of negativity. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, it's always those like, you know, like a few negative experiences that we can, I could sit here and go on every day about and for all day long, but there's, I have obviously far more good outweighs the bad. So it's. Yeah. And I think people should know that. I mean, we have a lot of listeners, a lot of downloads and um, I'm hoping people will hear this and find out that, I mean, Avali, it's, it's just a fantastic um, product for a start. I mean, every MotoGP rider trains, on on an ovale they've all got one haven't they i mean this is yeah i would say most it's it's definitely the most used uh brand for like training yes that's like outside of like the big brands like obviously you have a lot of riders who ride like dirt bikes and supermoto and all that but yeah i mean ovale is over the it's definitely over the past like two years has really exploded i would say the past two or three years so it was like it was still pretty small and like niche when i came on when i started importing them in 2018 and um and in the past since then it's definitely like it's exploded like like pretty um, mm. pretty big around the world and then this partnership with Dorna you know the mini GP World Series like it's definitely become like a big thing and you know um you know I think that it's uh it's it's just still kind of in its crawling stage here in the U.S. with and Moto America and myself and everybody we're trying to figure it all out and um you know it's been a lot of uh other influences politically and business and all this other stuff that's kind of held it back to where and people's opinions and you know all this other you know america's myopic viewpoint um like that's kind of held it back so it's uh i'm hoping that it kind of gets some legs because it's still just kind of like it's like not there and it's like always on the verge of like nah it's gonna make it no not quite and so we just need need to see it see it through a bit better but um you know that's it's a it's a long term project. I'm hoping uh, I'm not really I'm not involved anymore other than being the importer for them. You know, I'm not really involved in it anymore. And I think that's probably a better role for me now, um, you know, honestly, because I'm just burnt out from it. So I like, you know, I'm a business and marketing guy and I like doing that. But from like an operational perspective, like managing like events and series, like 
I enjoy it like once a year, <laughs> but doing it as like a whole series is like, yeah, I just figured it's um in my in my experiences, I'm just kind of maybe it's just because I've, I've had pretty much bad experiences. So I'm like kind of over it and I want to focus on, you know, things I can where I can maybe give back more to the you know racers. Um, and I think that's kind of where you know, I, I'm in a better place to do that now, instead of trying to do these series where I'm like constantly fighting and, you know, having to, you know, stress myself out and lose money all the time. Like maybe I go, you know, that's where we've, you know, kind of leaned it more into doing things where I can, you know, help people with like learning out, you know, motorcycles or now that we've gotten involved with, um, you know, in the helmet industry, like actually having money to, you know, give, you know, give bracer sponsorship and, you know, um, you know, other, other types of support. So it's been, um, it's been good. And that's what I've been working with Nathan on. And, you know, he's, um, you know, uh, the national sales manager for KYT and we've been, you know, working on, you know, how we can get involved with racers from that perspective now, because it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a good industry. It's a good business and we can get, I feel like I can give back a lot better. Like I can really help riders and, you know, help, you know, organizations and do a lot more than I, than I could otherwise. So it's a, it's been a good kind of, um, you know, I find the, the silver lining and everything, even though the talent cup didn't, you know, didn't pan out and you know, the mini cup isn't going the way that I would like to see it go. Um, you know, I, I have other ways that, you know, with businesses that we can kind of, um, keep moving forward, stay in the industry in a positive way and keep, you know, you know, earn a living and get, and in the, in, in doing that, like also help racers and organizations out. Yeah, it sounds like you're, you're just taking it from a fresh angle, which yeah has got to bring different results, I would hope. Yeah. 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 I mean, in, in a nutshell, Moto America is doing a good job with in a tough market for road racing. I mean, you look at the Daytona 200, which is, was supposed to be this big sort of world-renowned event. And if you look in the stands, there is nobody there. There's nobody there. So that's not Moto America's fault that, I mean, they're, they're putting on good events, but it's, we just need a spark here to really kind of rejuvenate the, the racing. And I, I was really excited about the talent cup. I thought that was it. I thought that was something that could help, you know, and, um, and it just didn't turn out that way, but you know, we've got a good, healthy street riding scene here. And um, obviously Harleys are the number one bike sold in the US. So that that market yes. is very healthy, um, which is great. But the, I think it's sort of like win on Sunday, sell on Monday mentality with sport bikes and with, with as a sport. And it's it's a tough going right now. So you know, we were hoping to get something going with the talent cup and it, it didn't work out, but I'm, you know, I, I haven't given up on always looking for opportunities. And like Brandon said, with, you know, with our helmets, you know, KYT, that's a huge part of sort of our brand, who we want to be as a brand and that is, and that is to support youth development um, and to, to be involved with young racers yeah, I hear your passion. I mean, K KYT is a joint project between the two of you, yes? Yeah, so Rise Moto is the importer for KYT. I tend to, I handle, I do everything, actually. I do absolutely everything. 
Brandon doesn't do anything. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> no it's, it's a joint. Yeah. He's, he imports, he's the importer. Um, and, but KYT helmets is sort of standalone separate from say like Ovalis and stuff like that. And yeah, Bastini mm -hmm. yeah. is fantastic representative for KYT oh, yeah. helmets. He's going to do well. I mean, I think he's going to win. I hope so. <laughs> what's, what's really funny though, is like before we, we've introduced them into the U S market, like a unless you were a diehard MotoGP fan, like most people didn't even know that who KYT was, but you know, meanwhile, KYT is one of the biggest manufacturers of helmets in the world. And in Asia, they're the number one helmet in Asia. Um, you know, so they're, it's a huge company and um, they, like the, 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 I think now people are seeing that as we're kind of getting, we're proliferating in the market. Like they're, I've had people say like, oh man, I've seen them everywhere now. Like you guys are just like kind of, you know, with like track days and racing, now obviously we, we have a long way to go before we, you know, compete with any of the other more established brands, like in the U S like we have a long way to go, you know, with just dealers and customer awareness and just everything, but we're, you know, we're still crawling compared to everybody else. Like we just, just came in. <laughs> and from a brand strategy perspective, we don't want to be showy, you know, we don't, we don't want to be awry. You know, I think we definitely want to be our own company, our own brand that that values more of a personal relationship and more of a community. I mean, um, that's just, I think, just has greater greater value in the long run, and um, it attracts people. They want to be a part of it, and we want to we want to support those who have chosen to to wear KYT where we can, and so more of a niche sort of, or boutique brand, I think is what eventually where, where we'd like to be, where we are involved in supporting our racers very closely and supporting youth development and um, yeah, just sort of a, a, a grassroots, our, one of the guys that's involved with us, TJ, he calls, he calls it the ant army. And we, I mean, I like that. It's, it really is who we want to be, you know, we, yeah, a little bit closer closer link to the to the grassroots yeah but yeah it's all the most powerful on the planet don't right, you know? exactly exactly I, like <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i wonder if tj's ever gotten that reference that he knows tj also says that Probably. he's like a he's like a fart he's everywhere but nowhere so he's he's pretty good with those <laughs> emanating and hanging around yeah. I think that's why a lot of people in the industry have always like cert well, I shouldn't say a lot certain people in the industry have like not uh liked me over the years because like they're like i'm like every i'm like like he just said like a fart i'm like everywhere but i'm nowhere like i'm always like into something and you definitely don't smell good they're like how did brandon like why is he here what's he doing here why is he there why like, how did he get here and they're like it just that's just the way it is you know? been working on sort of wearing people down until you yeah i just wear people down until they just can't it's just they know they can't get rid of me so they just have to <laughs> figure out how to, how to <laughs> Ask Brandon about his story, his best friend punching him in the back of the head when he was a kid. <laughs> He's even got in a fight with somebody. Brandon got in a fight in some, with somebody. And turned his back yeah, on him. With, no, in high school with some other random guy. And after the fight, his, his best friend walks up and punches him in the back of the head and says, like, <laughs> what, what do you say? I always wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. The closer I get to Brandon, the more that makes sense to me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I always worry whenever I'm the Baxter to Nathan, I'm always worried he's going to punch me in the back of the head. <laughs> but Nathan, 
he used to box, but it was a he was a terrible boxer. So I know just feel like if someone's slapping me like a like stop. Right. Like, a terrible I, boxer <laughs> still has a way better chance at a fight with you. <laughs> Have you just like all you gotta do is see Brandon run and you know that there's no <laughs> athleticism at all there. Have to work on your positive energy attraction that's yeah that's all i got going for me trust me i don't have much else yeah so you've known each other years yeah a few years now is it business or is it pleasure oh there's been pleasure (laughs) (laughs) nathan i've seen you've been overseas a lot how do you see that are you spying on me what are you doing yeah well i have to do a little bit of research but i limit myself on account of i don't like doing that much work no on account of if i know too much then i won't get it out of you yeah well, Thailand's a whole nother story. Then, and again, Brandon can talk about that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've been to I've been to Thailand. Uh, it's actually like probably my favorite place on the planet. And, oh, really? Uh, no, I didn't know that. I just I just had a glance and saw Thailand, and we um, had a podcast chat with a, a female rider who'd done the Mai Hon Son Loop. Mai Hon Son Loop had done that. Well, why, Brandon? Why did I do that? So who is the who who did you talk to that did the loop? Just like oh Lauren Turnbull, she she runs um, a media company in um, Australia. Oh no shit, it's terrific. Yeah, so we actually like so I'm my best friend and I we started these businesses like uh, back in 2017, 2018 ish with like you know, volley stuff and that and Rise Mode has kind of expanded into other things that we're as we're trying to like kind of figure out what works like and we can actually make a living with um but along with that in 2017 we started uh thailand moto tours so we actually run motorcycle tours in northern thailand i didn't know that that's why that's why nathan was there because we have um so we have a pretty established company all roads lead to brandon yeah yeah it's all (laughs) adding up i'm inescapable i'm in yeah (laughs) um but yeah, we I get the fault reference. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we we run, yeah, we run Alford and we just started running Alford tours about like right before COVID hit. Um, but we run Alford and on road tours in northern Thailand. So we do like a road tour does that loop, the same loop that you're that you talked the girl you did that you talked to did. Yeah. Uh we do that for our road tours and off-road tours follow the same loop, but all off-road. Right. Well, that sounds brilliant. And what's the company called? Thailand Motors. Thailand Moto Tours. Yeah. So we uh, we we've had like some big names out with us too. Like Sean Dylan Kelly was out with us this year. Moto Two rider. Um, he was out with us. Although he did cost us more money than he made for us because he you know crashed our bike like eighteen times. Um, and you know he just you know Peter Hickman. Peter Hickman came out with us. He's, yeah. He's my man crush is Peter Hickman. Hickey came out. Um, he's been a friend of mine for a long time, obviously through like the road racing stuff. So, uh, yeah, Hickey came out. We've had a lot of, a lot of big names on the tours. Um, Colin Edwards has been out with us. Um, so yeah, that's, that's our like Nathan Fitzgerald. Yeah. Nathan Fitzgerald, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but, um, he's, he's awesome. He's a big deal in some circles. It's a really small circle with like one dot in the middle, just himself, but it's him. <laughs> hey, big, big fish in a small pond. <laughs> But yeah, that's our like real passion. Like that's, you know, if I could make a living just doing that, I would. Although I will say like, I've, I've come to really love um, like doing the, the KYT stuff, the helmet stuff. Like I've, I've, that's just turned into a big thing for me. And I, I really love that 
that the brand, the industry, like that's become a really positive thing for, for us. Um, so, and the people that I get to work he with. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, and I don't have to do anything. That's the best part. I don't have to do anything. Because Nathan does yeah, it. Yeah, Nathan yes. does it all. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That, so, so you're like, I'm actually riding, texting and doing business right now as we speak. If you ever want to come to uh, Thailand and do a ride, yeah, uh, you know where to go. Thailand Moto Tours. I will. I do want to. And, oh, and you should. Yeah, for the road tour, you can either ride, we use all Hondas because they're all, all the Hondas we use are made in Thailand. So we either use uh, like the Honda CRF300L with like supermoto wheels, which is like kind of like a fun, like nimble type bike to ride, to ride there on the, on the streets. It's, it's a really good bike. Um, or we use the, the new CB300R, which is more like a street fighter looking um, bike. And they also have the Rebel 300 or the Rebel 500, which is like their version of like a little Harley. Um, and then if someone wants to ride two up, we have the uh, CB500X. So it's got a little bit more power to you know have two, two people on it. Yes. Um, and then off-road, we have a fleet of our, we have our own CRF300Ls and they have, you know, you know full suspension. We have, um, what do we have? Uh, YSS suspension on them. Uh, we have exhaust, hand, you know, rental bars, you know, off-road knobby tires. Like they're fully decked out for off-road. So we have all, you know, and you can't you can't actually rent bikes to ride off-road in Thailand. So like if you ride there, if you want to go ride off-road in Thailand, you have to go through a tour company. So we're one of the few in Northern Thailand that you know can offer that, and uh, it's some of the best riding in the world, to be honest. Like you can ride anywhere you want and nobody let's say in america like if you want to go ride and you're riding down like a road somewhere and you see a trail like you can't just go rip up rip down the trail because probably someone's property and they'll come out and you know call the police or shoot you or whatever we're in thailand like we'll just ride wherever and we'll see a trail and you can just go rip down the trail and nobody gives a shit like everybody like do you get you'll come to some farmer we were actually pre-riding in like february or late january i can't remember when and we were trying to find this like this trailhead and we were riding around on these trails on this property that we just you know happened upon and there was a farmer and he saw us and we talked to him and tie a little bit and we were we explained where we were trying to get to and he knew there was a trail he knew where we were trying to go he, he, was, he like opened a gate for us like oh no go here and go there and he was like helping us out we're like here people would be like get the fuck off my property and like they would be going crazy yeah uh wherever there everybody is just happy like they're just happy people and they are like they're just stoked to see some white person on a dirt bike <laughs> so yeah it's a beautiful place to be that the people are lovely and yeah yeah it and all the off bike stuff is so much fun too i mean they really do a good job of the places that you eat the sightseeing um i mean just even the, the before and after in Chiang Mai when you just are as a group before you even ride and then after when you come back it's just it's fun. It's a party. It is a lot of fun. So I take photos for them and I help them with just random tasks just to be cool and be part of that. And I get a free t-shirt. So it's the first time I've heard of off-road in Thailand, I have to admit. So you, you would uh, be sort of a team leader and take people out and get them lost. Yeah. I mean, we have a, we, we don't, we try not to get lost. There's been a few occasions, but, but we have, a, we have a, a route um, that we, we go and we always try to like every year add to that, like, or change things around just to keep it fresh and also like find better routes than what we use now. And there's just a, a maze of, you know, trails out there. Then it's just figuring out how to connect everything and, you know, find ones that are really fun and, you know, good for us to go on and, um 
yeah, it's it, yeah, the offer is amazing. It's really good. Sounds it. So um KYT. Well, but I didn't actually know what the initials meant. And I read that KYT is Kaiken Yochi training, which is hazard protection training. It's a Japanese training method. Is that is that where that hails from? I don't think that's it. No. That so KYT is I is so from my understanding, our, one of our partners is best friends with the owner of KYT in Indonesia. So we we get all the inside scoop. It really doesn't have much meaning. I think it was was sort of like an abbreviation of a name at one point, but it's there's no, it's not an acronym. Yeah. Well, isn't that interesting? Yes. I know. As I it's like I'm one of those people too that I'll I'll ask. I'll be like, what does that mean? What does that stand for? And I just don't have a good answer. I I get nosy and then unfortunately I fall into that trap of believing everything I read on Brave or Google or Safari. Well it's really that's everything is true that you read online. Yeah. It's totally all there. Now I've got it from the horse's (laughs) mouth. It's not an acronym. (laughs) It's not, yeah. And I I I mean I could come up with something, but you know it wouldn't be accurate so <laughs> yeah how did you yourself start motorcycling then brandon were you what, a dirt bike kid or did you immediately go into road racing no i didn't ride a motorcycle until i was 20 years old so i got my first street bike uh when i was 20 and then i just rode on the street with my friends just act like an idiot um and then I, someone can you know i was looking to get on the track because i just thought it was i was when I got my first street bike, that's when I, like that same year, I think I, I got into like watching like AM, like the old AMA races and watch MotoGP and World Superbike. And I just started to get interested in it um, just as like a fan. And then I, uh, I wanted to go to a track day and the guy I was, I was trying to buy some like track fairings for my bike. And the guy I was buying them from, like I told him I was using for track days and he, I'll never forget it. Cause he was, he was the one who got me into racing because I said, oh, I'm just like, I'm using these for track days. He's like, oh no, track days are gay. Just, you know, go racing, come down here and ride with me. And I'm like, I mean, I love track days. So it's not like, he was just being funny, but I, um, I wound up going and I never, I, I went to my first race weekend, which is also my first time ever on the track. So like my first time ever on the track was a, was a weir race. Um, and then I just kind of fell in love with it and started racing, just club racing, just local stuff. And mm. it just kind of snowballed from there. I started that when I was like 23 or so. And then it just, yeah, just snowballed from there. Interesting. Yeah. Most, as I say, was said earlier, most people I know of who I've spoken to are racers have had their parents do the full on support. Yeah. No, I never had any of that. It was all, yeah. My parents hated motorcycles actually. Like when I bought my first bike, like I, my dad almost kicked me out of the house because mm. I, yeah, they were not motorcycle fans. So I never had like, you were living at home at 21. Yep. <laughs> I was I I'd like to live at home right now if I could. <laughs> Maybe that's why you've got this bit of insight, this this um passion to get youngsters going on the racing. Yeah, I mean, I don't I think it's for me, it's like a practicality thing. Like it's just like it's not that inaccessible. And if we all just agree on something and like all work towards it together, like it can be a good thing. So I think it's maybe not even more a passion for like youth involvement. It's more of a passion of like common sense. I have a passion for common sense. Oh God. <laughs> this is where I leave. <laughs> <laughs>
Like, it's just like, this is not that hard. Like we can all, like, this is not that hard to agree on. Like, I, I think that might be the dumbest thing he's ever said in his life. I'm actually going to write it down because you, you can no, put maybe on I the rewind, anybody that knows me knows I probably don't have much common sense. <laughs> I, I think I, that could go on a t-shirt. Uh, you know, his, his whole 2022 Isle of Man return was started with a t-shirt. Oh, actually. really? Tell the story. Yeah. I have a passion for common sense. Uh, I, you know, he was having a rough year and he had not gone to the Isle of Man for, I don't know, how many years was it? Three years or four years? Six. Six. Wow. It's a gap. And, um, I just, I kind of wanted him. I've always been a huge fan of the Isle of Man, like massive fan. Um, we could do a whole podcast on how in love I am with Hickey, but I, so I started, I just started kind of nudging him like you should consider doing the Alaman again, you know, which in hindsight was probably a stupid thing. It's like, it's like asking your friend to jump off a cliff, but. No, it's better. It's more like telling your friend, like, Hey, you should try heroin again. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a better. Yeah, that's true. And so I had shirts made. I just, I, it's just said Cree two IOMTT 2022. And I sent them out. I sent one out to Hickey. I sent one out to, I forgot. I just sort of started planting them around him without telling him. Stealth marketing. Yeah. And so I showed, and then he picked me up from the airport and I was wearing it. And he's like, what are you wearing? And then they just started to pop up. You know, Hickey posted on his social and there's some, I forgot who else had one. And, um, and I think that was just sort of the, it just kind of nudged him just enough, I guess. And then, he's, and then he ended up doing it. Well, it would have been embarrassing if he hadn't gone ahead by that stage. I know the shirts were made. Yeah. yeah. The investment <laughs> was made. Yeah. And he got Peter Ekman to share it on his Instagram. He has like, you know, however many followers, like 100,000 followers. And yes. He shares this. And I'm like, what was, what the hell? Or what is this? Like, I, wait, I, I don't, I'm not aware of myself doing this, but. And then it caught off on some forums too. It like started to be like a rumor. Like I hear Kwitu's going to race the TT again, you know, and it just kind of turned into, you know, its own <laughs> thing. Into fact. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> but it wound up, you know, I didn't die. So, you know, it was great. Yeah. That's a bonus. Yeah. yeah. Good for everyone. No, it worked. It was, it was awesome to go back. It like renewed my, uh, my interest in, the industry and to be honest like I was just like checked out for a lot of reasons but like that but also I just I hadn't been racing for, for a lot while and I just had, got, wasn't getting to do it sucks when you're involved in the industry and like you're also you're not able to like experience it from like a fun side anymore and like the the reason why you love it like I love because I'm I, I always love it because not because I was just a fan like I actually raced and I, I rode and I loved it you know and then so for a couple of years there it was like getting like it was more of like a grind than it was like me getting to do stuff that I enjoyed doing. Right. Um, you know, which then it just becomes like any other job. And like, you know, I know just like you, I don't want, I don't want to work. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do any more than I have to. No, I, I just, yeah, I just kind of lost what was starting to lose the passion. So that helped that lost the passion for common sense (laughs) because (laughs) it needs a new t-shirt. 
Yeah, if you go to the TT, yeah. you don't have any you don't have any common sense for sure. For sure. What's the place you enjoy racing the most? It's all road racing, yes. Yeah. Uh I mean my favorite track, and Nathan has got me this uh yeah, it's Suzuka. Is it Japan? Yeah. Wow. That's great though. That's uh, that's actually my favorite like racetrack of a race race ridden at. Because I got to do the Suzuka eight hours in 2017. Uh, which is like a big deal. Like I never, like, I'm not like most guys that get to do that. You're either Japanese or you're like a world class, you know, you're, you know, someone that races in MotoGP or world Superbike or whatever. Um, so I was, that was a really awesome experience. Um, but I would say my favorite place to go is either like, it's probably the Isle of Man. Like there's no, yeah, like there's nothing else like it. I mean, Macau mm-hmm. is really, really fun. Like the track is awesome. And, the partying and the nightlife like is pretty much unparalleled <laughs> but um you know it's like i would say for overall like everything um the tt there's just nothing like it like the fans the the event itself like just it's a special special have you been dj i have i've been as a spectator yes a couple of times and it is very exciting it's, oh yeah it's, yeah yeah it's a it's a wild it's a wild event for you does that have nightlife as well you're saying macau has the, the nightlife but does that happen in the isle of man with the races oh uh, yeah the tt has nightlife i mean i've definitely uh, i've definitely had some rough mornings at the tt <laughs> yeah well any scandals you can let us in on oh there's all yeah i've had yeah always of, something yeah unfortunately those are the those are the things that you can't talk about as as racers <laughs> life on the edge no, it's a uh, yeah, it's got nightlife. It's just not the same. Like Macau is like on another level of like nightlife, where it's just yeah, it's just it's called debauchery. I think that's the word you're looking for. Yeah, uh, yeah, debauchery. Yeah, that's the word, debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun place, and it, I mean, it's like I mean, what do you expect? It's like the Vegas of Asia. So like, you know, there's casino like casinos, there's clubs, there's everything. So it's you know, what do you expect? And then you throw in some motorcycle racers. And actually the funniest thing ever was um, what the, I can't remember what year it was. It was 2012 or 2013. And we were at a club and at the MGM in Macau, it was called the Lions. It's called the Lions bar. It's not open anymore. And they had, it was like a party for all the Grand Prix uh, riders and the drivers, because that's like one of the few events in the world that combines like, motorcycle racing and car racing so they have motorcycles there but they also do like formula three uh which you'll have all these like formula one uh you know wannabe not i shouldn't say wannabes isn't the right word well it's their entry level class yeah it's like it's, it's like the the road to formula one and like you had the jensen button like schumacher all these people went through formula three and like a lot of them won macau like they raced at macau and won the race or you know placed really well so you have all these like young you know kids that race formula three that they're that you you can just see it from a mile away like if you compare like a road like a motorcycle road racer that's at macau to these like formula three kids i mean they're just like they have the personality of an unsalted cracker like nathan says like it is just like (laughs) it is so like funny because well a lot of them are german so that explains it no offense to germans yeah they're all just they're all just such nerds and they're so boring like you and you just compare that to the motorcycle guys the motorcycle people are just so much more fun like it's just not even it's not even a comparison like people that drive cars are just boring 
and uh, <laughs> we you couldn't feel best for the sport even we were at the club and they they had like a dance lot they they invited like some of the riders to go on stage and with the dj and then some of the drivers and they were playing gangnam style that's how i'm aging myself right now they were playing the old gangnam style song which is like that year it was like the year of the, the song the craze and uh so the, the they were having them do the dance like the gangnam style dance that Sai used to do like on stages which i'm not gonna imitate it now but um all the car guys it was just like crickets watching them do it and all the people in the club were just watching and then one of the riders got up and he wound up taking his shirt off and spraying water on everybody and then it, then he started to take his pants off and they had to pull him off stage because he was so drunk he was actually, <laughs> he was actually going to get totally naked like he was taking his pants off and he started to get his dick out and we're, everyone was like whoa 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 <laughs> should we guess the name no um yeah i think actually from um a spectator's point of view well in my opinion we need a bit more personality coming through on the media yeah you know personalities of the races you do and you need people that actually are going to like say their mind and like say the reality of things too like you know be honest and real like you can do that without you know committing career suicide you can be real and um you know say it like you know have you voice your opinion or voice your your experience hey you got nathan and i right here this is this is as bad as it gets yeah i think as a as a layperson or personally i like a bit of insight into the the reality the real world it's i'm very aware or conscious being a child of the 70s that now when i look at what is presented to us you know all of these guys of having their family lives put in front of us and even when you hear them chatting straight after the race in the little room, I just know they're bursting to like. <laughs> right. Say what they really think. Yeah. 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 About other racers or the industry or. Or what just happened. I yeah. mean, you know, they've just been through this hectic race yeah, and they're yeah. all being dreadfully polite to each other. Yeah. Everybody's scared to like be themselves, I think. And like, just say, you know, I don't know. It's, yes. it's funny. Like the American road racing scene is so different from like road racing like real road racing that i've i'm just like so i guess jaded by it where i come into like these the pits here and even when you walk around like you know world street right because i was in that paddock for a while with sheridan marias helping him out and everything's so like corporatized and like everyone has to like toe the line and say like you know have this persona and just not be themselves and like you go to the road races like everybody just says what they think and acts the way they want to act and is themselves and and it's so much better <laughs> it's so much more fun and like i don't know it's just uh it, it's all dumbed down well i mean you know he's he's polarizing for sure but you know who is who does say his opinion and brandon's gonna laugh at me when i say this is Josh Heron. You know, he's somebody that will say things that are not necessarily, you know, corporate -y or, you know, and but he's polarizing for it. And people either love him or they don't like him at all. And so he's kind of somebody that's done that and has had that that image. Look, he's well, from a racing perspective or like a from a professional perspective he's been successful because of it because he's you know he's got some big deals going on with you know his sponsors and um you know 
he's uh he's doing some things right you know he's 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 doing a lot of races i think are scared to do but i think there's like a fine line between like everybody wants to be able to do that but then like if you do that when you don't have the clout behind it or the results to back it up he's he's experience he's late in his career right so he's he's kind of established himself um as a fourth place finish i mean as a podium finisher and so you know he's able to say what he wants but these younger guys they're looking they're still looking to establish themselves and they don't want to scare people off but at the same time they're going to attract they're going to attract fans you know they're going to attract people who who do like that yeah, if they get too edgy, they might lose their their business connections, their sponsorships, and that's the weird part. It's like a weird dynamic. Like you you attract the fans by being like kind of you have to have like some charisma about you, and like people have to like you first of all, like to be able to do that, and then also like it pays off. But then I think people are like, it's like a fine line. Like you attract the fans, but then you scare away like the sponsors or the people that are paying the bills. So it's like it's like, it's a weird dynamic of like being scared to say something that's going to scare away your livelihood, but part of your livelihood is having fans and the fans like that. So it's like, okay, what, you know, where, where's the, where's the, where's the line at, you know, of like doing something where you're going to scare away your, your livelihood, or you're going to gain fans and gain people, you know, gain that, that like, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's the thing you say as a lay earlier, you were saying as a lay person, I, you know, I just think that's such an enjoyable place to be in sometimes though with as a spectator of a sport. I mean, the more you get into it, the deeper you get into it, it's like that saying, you know, don't meet your heroes, you know, because you find out things that are very disappointing. You find out things that are disappointing about, you know, whether the industry. And I, I feel like this whole podcast, we've been like ragging on it in a way. And I don't mean <laughs> I don't mean to do that because we're obviously fans and we're we're passionate about it. And, you know, we've been involved for a while now that we, we do experience things that other people don't get to, but it hasn't, we haven't left, right? We're still here. Um, so it is good, you know, and I think we, we still have to, like you say, we need the, we need the characters, we need the bad boys. You, you just, sometimes you just got to let it go and just sit back and watch, you know, it's, it's rare that we get to just hang out and watch and, um, you know, a lot of my friends, that's they're spectators. They don't, they're not involved. And so when we're sitting there watching racing, I'm sitting there talking about stuff and people and, and they're just want to have a good time and watch racing. And I, they're probably like, Nathan, get out of here with your stupid, like, <laughs> we don't care, like, you know, and, um, and that's, you know, that's hopefully that's what just keeps the sport going is that it is just fun to watch. And, you know, sometimes it's better to not know all the stuff all the details <laughs> i think that i think the sport and industry is also in like just a desperate need of like freshness like new like out people who do things not like it's always been done because it just like the a lot of it just feels like just so old school and everybody and then you see all the people on facebook they're like bring back the two strokes bring back this and it's like god do you like like I'm no fan of electric bikes. I think they're boring as hell. I don't think they'll ever catch on from like a spectator perspective because like no one wants to watch, like you, you go there for the sounds and everything else. But then when you hear people like, Oh, this has always worked for 30 years or why'd they change this? Why did you change that? It's like, that's just the way the world works. Like you have to accept change and, you know, be open to new ideas. And 
I feel like a lot of the industry is just stuck like in like the, you know, the nineties. Um, and we have to like, that's what, that's why I like to do what we do. Like, you know, we're always like on the edge of like something new here. And like, we're trying to like inject some sort of like new ideas and perspective on things and, you know, bring people, bring something exciting to, to it instead of like just the same old thing. Yeah. At the risk of then it not working, you know, yeah, or, you, you, all, you obviously it's a, it's a risk and you, you, yeah. you also like alienate yourself a little bit. Like, you know, you want to, you want to do stuff that you, you think is a step forward rather than stay, sticking around in the, in the past. Um, but then, you know, you obviously like I, like I found in a lot of ventures, like you just find yourself on the out and you know, it's just the way it is though. Well, it's very, you're, you're right. Needing something a step further is a gladiatorial sort of um, gutty sport and people always lust for more, don't they? Yeah. But not bagger racing, apparently. No, I'm not. And it's, I, it's hard to say bagger with a straight face, honestly. It's funny because I like I have so many friends that I've known for years that now make like good money racing baggers, which I, I never thought I would ever see. Like I was talking to to, to like James Rispoli and Corey West at you know Daytona, and they're both you know getting have you know they should they have these big rigs there for with Harley and Indian and they got like a whole, like a hospitality, they got everything there. And they're like, they look like factory riders and like they're, and they're both like super talented riders. So perfect example of like two guys that I see that are like such talented guys and they like to earn a living racing, they're racing freaking baggers. And I'm like, like, what, <laughs> like, what, what, what is, what is happening? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the, like the metrics for Moto America, their views for that class, it's, it's, 10 times i mean i don't know literally i'd have to look again but last i looked it was significantly higher than everything else really combined so for them it's a no-brainer right it that's people are watching it's exciting um you know it is kind of cool to see a big bagger crash honestly that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> it's not that i think it's for the spectators the people watching always have some sort of minor or major inspiration or, or thought that they could do that themselves and because yeah. it looks achievable it looks realistic and that's what i like about it maybe that's maybe that's it i it's think you're onto ultimate, it yeah it's the ultimate class of like people can watch it and be like oh sure i can do that like because it's like they're on this you know the the ultimate street bike just a harl a bagger you know that's like the you know that is the quintessential i wonder is Goldwing or is honda going to enter a gold wing can they do that? I mean, where's Honda? Yeah. I don't know. They're, I mean, I think they, they list out in the rule books, like all the eligible bikes. And there are some like weird ones that, that I think they could enter a gold wing, but like it wouldn't be competitive. So that's why nobody's done it. Huh? Well, Honda's got money. I know the uh, Harley Davidson is just poured just boatloads of money into that, that program. So I mean, it's cool. what honestly, again, it goes back to just a, being a spectator sport, right? People are watching. It's fun. Yes. Uh, like, I think you nailed it as far as it's accessible. People look at that and they think that looks like the bike I've got in the garage. And look, he's driving the freaking wheels off that thing. So it's funny. You know? I was actually at a, I was at a shop local to me where I was storing my trailer and they, there was, they, they build like metric bikes. Like they do like, um, like engine builds and put stereos in the bikes and everything. And he was working on a bike right now and they were putting a stereo and he's like, 
just to install a stereo. It was like an $8,000 job to install a stereo in this old bagger. I don't even remember what, know what it was. And he was, he, he's like sort of, he's like a passive racing fan. And he, he know he has people that are like coming in and like, this is like sparked a whole thing. Like these baggers, like people are just into it and like putting just obscene amounts of money into these things. And he said, people have no problem. They come in he rides a sport bike. So he knows the difference between the two demographics. And he's like, you know, guys on sport bikes won't spend any money, but you get these bagger guys, they'll come in and drop eight grand on a stereo system. And they'll just come in and bring me a stack of cash or like they haven't, they'll just get out their card and swipe till the day, till the day's, you know, done. Like they don't, it's just like the totally different demographic of money. Like they just yeah. have money and they're just willing to spend it. So I side by sides for the same way. Yeah. I just, I get it. Like it's, it's cool. It's cool. That's coming in the industry and Moto America did that right. And they're doing an awesome job at it. Um, I just personally like from like a race, like a, just a, a racer. I just, it's not me. <laughs> We're snobs, I guess in that way. Yeah. Approaching from your side, from, from my side, it's more appealing, especially I have a girl, girl crush on Fernand, um, Patricia Fernandez. So, oh yeah, yeah, I know Patricia really well. Yeah, yeah. she's Beyonce. awesome. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, a great ambassador for women as well. You know, yeah, yeah. To, definitely. We all like to look up to somebody. Yeah, she's. I think she's going back to the to the Northwest 200 this year. She's going to be racing uh, again. She's been. Uh, she's always been big into like the road racing scene. So that's how I. I mean, I've known her from you know in the racing industry for a while, but I know she's she's been big into like the road racing scene. Yeah, women are doing a, a great job, you know, and I think other women just gravitate towards that strength that they see and, and you know, that they can compete with these guys on a, you know, going fast on a track in a dangerous sport. And man, I mean, they're, they're right there. So, um, you know, you look at social media too. I mean, it's just the whole like bike culture in on social women are doing great you know i mean people like the audience loves women bikers yes for sure. so you know it's good it's good i think it's exciting for the future what so back to um electric just to wind up perhaps because you may not have a lot to say about that <laughs> um <laughs> electric powered motorcycles i don't i mean i i've never actually gotten I, oh no that's correction i rode one i rode a zero back in um oh god it was like 2011 or 2012 so it was this was like way back when like they were first coming out my friend actually worked for zero and it was in hong kong and they had like a demo bike and i I rode it up and down it was cool it was like whatever i mean from a riding perspective they are great like i i I mean i would probably ride one and be like this is awesome this is fun but from like a spectator perspective like why would I want to sit in the stands or go get watch on TV, like a silent bike ride around, you know? Yeah. I, I rode one in Portland uh, for a demo. It was a zero and it was, um, you know, it was cool. I was actually, I was pretty surprised, you know, it, I think there's some cool things you could potentially do with it as far as adjusting, you know, like just, uh, you've got a full suite of electronics you can mess with. Right. But um, it was good. It was just a little vanilla and I think, um, you know, if you're going to just jump over to the grocery store real quick or go run and, you know, grab something down the street, they're, they're great. For long rides, nah, probably not interested. And for racing, I agree with Brandon. It's just kind of like 
it's not visceral you know it just doesn't have that that whole full all the senses experience like it's not just the sounds it's the smell i love the smell of race gas you know um and it's it's that whole experience that they are they can't do and if you don't have the racing we were talking earlier about the current racing keeping it alive if the electric motorcycles don't end up being raced and that doesn't happen big time will that industry actually take off in any way i don't know i think for an urban rider i think a lot of the new riders that you see kind of entering the market are younger they're looking for affordable forms of transportation um they're yeah they they live in an urban environment and i think that's a perfect fit for them you know uh it's really no different than like a like a moped or something that's single speed you know so um I think it has a place for sure. Racing, it may not, that may not be its place. I don't know. Who knows? Have you ridden electric? Um, electro assist bicycle. And I loved it oh. because mm -hmm. I was running out of energy and there was a big hill ahead. And I just flicked <laughs> the button and it's like the ferries took me up the hill. <laughs> yeah. uh, even like, so we were on the tours in Thailand and even that, like, I don't know, part of like, I know the, it's a pain to get everyone to fill up and get gas or anything, but I don't know, it's part of like the experience of riding motors, like you stop and get gas, like, I don't know, it's like all a thing, like it's all yeah, together. Yeah, it's the whole culture, it's, it's the gear, it's having yeah. to tug up in yeah. your protective gear, even in the heat, it's, it's like you say, the gas, the fuel, the oil, the smell, the griminess. I don't know, coming into a corner and having to downshift and go onto the get onto the brakes i mean that that sequence is what it's about it's addicting right it, so you don't have that but yeah to each their own everybody you know yeah i think that's the essence of it you hit the nail on the head there <laughs> maybe electric baggers <laughs> turn the baggers get electric bikes put bags on them and then race them yeah. now there's an idea You'll find me in a closet with a noose. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should uh, end on that. <laughs> yeah. Exciting. Can we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming along. Um, it's been it's been good fun chatting with you and uh, hearing your insights. Yeah, hopefully we've been we've we've been able to give you some fun insight. Yeah. Like I said, we're not like I guess we we sound like we're doom and gloom in it, but it's like. We're, we're here so we're having fun with it it's a fun industry it's fun but that's that's what people want to hear nobody wants to hear you know a lot of backstroking if that's the thing that can be heard um what's the word i want yeah if i sat here and said all oh, things are always amazing and i'm just like yeah what will i talk about i want to talk about if i don't it. <laughs> yeah my life is perfect there's more scandal we'll just save that for a book yeah. that's a good idea <laughs> a tell-all i'll write a tell-all one day We'll meet again in a few months' time and do the scandal version. <laughs> All mm, right. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what, what we have to lose. All right. We'll catch up again soon and see you on the road. Ta-da. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, TJ. Bye.